The book of Revelation we've been talking about, you know, has a, a certain pattern to it. And, and chapter 1 is really kind of the structure that we, we have been following when Jesus tells John in verse 19, Write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. Write therefore what you have seen, and John records that in chapter 1, and he, he shares with us how he got this revelation. And then in chapters 2 and 3, he's writing about what is now, and that's the church. And Jesus speaks to seven churches, but there was definitely more churches than seven, but this was kind of the completeness that represents the church. You know, how many know that, you know, all, you know, little toddlers, they act the same way. You know, you don't have to have millions of toddlers to discover their behavior. They're selfish, they want food, and they go to bed. You know, that's, that's about all that, that happens in there. You know, so, so Jesus takes these seven churches and says, hey, this kind of summarizes what's going on in the church. Make sure you deal with this and take care of it. And then we go into chapter 4, and this moves us into future events. I believe that the church is raptured at this time before the tribulation begins because we see that we are going to meet Jesus in the sky. We will be transformed in a twinkling of an eye, and he's going to come back for us. That because Jesus saved us, we have been saved from the wrath of God. We have been removed from the wrath of God. And and Revelation, when, when he starts breaking those seals, when he starts blowing the trumpets and the bowls start pouring out, all of that is wrath. All of that is judgment. And that's not for the church. And so, so I believe that the rapture has, is going to happen. And then in chapter 4, we, we saw this beautiful picture where, where, where the throne is there. It's surrounded by this heavenly sea, the celestial sea. And it's such a, a beautiful moment in heaven. And then it moves us into chapter 5 in which we will be begin this morning chapter 5 it says then i saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with the writings on both sides and sealed with seven seals and i saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice who's worthy to break the seals and open the scroll but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it and i wept and i wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. So here you have the father that's sitting on the throne and he has this scroll. Some translations refer to it as a book, but it, it should be translated as a scroll. And it's a document that's rolled up and it's written on both sides. And if you know anything about in antiquity or the ancient times, when they would write on a scroll, they usually wrote on one side because of the delicacy of the, the material. Uh, and, and yet they, this was written on both sides. All, all John is showing us, is telling us, is that this is an important document. That there's been some careful consideration written upon this scroll and it's sealed seven times it's shut by these seals you know where they would take wax or, and they would they would put it on the paper and they would press it down with a stamp and, and it would form this seal and there were seven of them and according to roman law back then it required seven seals on a will if you wrote a will and said i want this to happen to my kids this my property you would require seven seals on that and and it's just a really neat picture where it's showing you this is the will that god has for the end times this is this is written this is done this is certain and it's sealed seven times it shows us the importance of this of what god is going to do to creation and that it's set it's sealed and then this mighty angel comes and makes this announcement about who's worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. Who is this mighty angel? 
well, the mighty angel isn't the point. It's not the person that we focus on. You know, some people like to go in and say, oh, who is this angel? Oh, it's got to be Gabriel. Or maybe it's Michael, you know, because both of them were involved with Daniel's uh, vision. And, and they told them to seal up the, the vision until a later time. So, you know, you have all this, all this stuff here, you know, going on. But, but yet, the angel isn't the, the focus point. No one in heaven. And look what it says. It says, no one in heaven and on earth or under the earth could open it or even take a peek in it because John begins to cry out, begins to cry because this scroll cannot be opened. And then verse 5, it says, The one of the elders said to me, Don't weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Here's the only time in the book of Revelation where Jesus is referred to as the lion. He's referred to as the lion. And it describes Jesus. And most of the time in Revelation, he's described as the lamb. But here it's the lion. And this refers back to Genesis. Because in Genesis, when Jacob gathered his sons to guess, give them their final blessings, to let them know what's going to happen to them, says this in Genesis 49, Then Jacob called the sons and said, Gather around so I can tell you what will happen to you in the days to come. And he continues to Judah. And he comes to verse 8, says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub. Judah, you return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to arouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nation shall be his." Even back in Genesis, Jacob is prophesying, is letting Judah know that something special is about you, Judah, and that one day a lamb, like a lamb, or like a lion, you will have a scepter and it will not depart from you, meaning that you will rule and all nations will come in obedience to you. Only Jesus can fulfill this. Not the son Judah, but Jesus. Not King David, but Jesus, who will always have complete authority true authority and his kingdom will never come to an end all nations will bow down he is prophesying also about jesus not just to his son judah and we see this in revelation he's also spoken to as the root of david isaiah 11:1 1 says a shoot will come up from the stump of jesse from the roots a branch will bear fruit the elders tell john this that the lion that, that Jesus is the lion and the root of David, that he has true power and authority to open the scroll and the seals. John continues in verse 6, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. This lamb is Jesus who looks as if he was slain. Remember that Jesus still wears the scars of the sacrifice on the cross. Remember when he went into the room with the disciples, he walked in and, and there, some of the disciples were telling the other ones, hey, Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive. They didn't believe it and Thomas says, I don't believe it. And finally Jesus walks through the wall and he sits there and he says, hey, this is me. Look at my, look at my hands, look at my feet, look at feeling my side. Thomas could see the scars and Jesus was resurrected. 
And so Jesus is wearing these scars. That's why John says it's the lamb that has appeared to have been slain. Now, the Bible also says that, um, that Jesus um, is glorified but recognized as simply Jesus. Like when they looked at him, they didn't, they didn't see all of this you know, craziness about him. They looked like a human. Matter of fact, he was walking with Cleopas and, and his friend, and they just walked, and he was just a normal person. So, but he had scars, and that's why he says that... Um, that he looked as if he was slain. Many people, including his disciples, thought that Jesus was dead. But Sunday was coming. His resurrection, his victory over death, hell, and the grave is the reason why Jesus has complete authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Jesus is also surrounded by these four living creatures. And, um, and these living creatures, you know, there's much debate about who these living creatures are and what they are. Many believe that they were cherubim. Cherubim are supernatural beings, and sometimes we throw them in with angels, but cherubim are something unique. Cherubim are these supernatural beings that were responsible and associated with the presence of God. Remember the story when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and God says, hey, you can have anything you want, just don't eat from this tree, and, and you know, Adam made the mistake and listened to his wife and they end up eating the fruit and, and, uh, and so they, 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 they get kicked out of the garden, right? And the Bible says this, that the Lord banished them from the Garden of Eden, Genesis three twenty three. The Lord banished them from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed him on the east side of the garden, cherubim, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So here's this cherubim, this spiritual being that is restricting Adam from the very presence of God. So when you read in scripture these four living creatures, could they be cherubim? Maybe. Because in Ezekiel, it also talks about cherubim that were described like this. Um, and, 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 in, and in Revelations 4, it talked about these four living creatures a little more in detail. And it said, here's what it says about the cherubim. And this is in Revelation 4. In front of the throne there were that looked like sea of glass, clear as crystal in the center around the throne, four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and back. And the four living creatures was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third like a face of a man, and the fourth like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so these cherubim are right there in the very center around the throne. And many people believe that these are the same cherubim that Ezekiel saw. In Ezekiel, uh, he records that these cherubim, but there are some differences between them. And, and, and they, these, in, in Ezekiel, they carried the throne of God. Here they are around the throne of God. In Ezekiel, they had four wings, and here they have six wings. But the main point is this, is that these cherubim, are responsible. These creatures are around the throne very near the presence of God. Some people think that they're the attributes of God in a physical manifestation, just like when we talk about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came down on Jesus at the baptism. He didn't come down in this spiritual thing that you couldn't see. He came down in the form of a dove or when he, when he came upon the people at Pentecost, he came as tongues of fire, a, a way of physically seeing him. So some people think that these creatures are, 
are some attributes of God. They are the, 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 the characteristics of God in a visual sense. You know what I say? Hey, it doesn't matter. They're around the throne of God. They're around the throne of God. And I think that it's, it's a little dangerous to kind of read into and, and try to figure out what these creatures are. The, the whole point is that John notices them that they are very close to the presence of God. They surround him. And they're unique. And then it says in verse, five, or verse 6, the second part of verse 6 says, The Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits that God has sent out on all the earth. So Jesus is seen as a lion. He's seen as the, 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 the shoot, the root from David. He is seen as, as this, you know, this, this lamb that looked as if he was slain. And now it says that the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out in all the earth. Jesus is said to have had seven horns. Now, should we visualize Jesus with seven horns and seven eyes? Should we? Well, let me tell you this, that when Jesus rose from the dead and he was resurrected, he received his glorified body and he was no longer affected by death, he was able to disappear because in Luke chapter 24, he's eating this meal with Cleopas and he's there and, and he's hidden from them. They don't recognize that this is Jesus and he breaks the bread and as soon as he breaks the bread, they realize that this is Jesus and boom, he disappears. Also, we see Jesus who is there um, with um, coming into this room that's locked. The disciples are afraid. They lock the room. He comes through the walls. So Jesus has the ability with this new body to disappear. He has the ability to walk through walls, but he also has the ability to eat breakfast. The Bible says that he was making fish one time for breakfast and his disciples were out fishing. Who eats fish for breakfast? It must be a glorified body because my body wouldn't handle that, wouldn't like that. And so Jesus is eating breakfast. He's eating fish. And Jesus is able to walk around and people recognize him and they see him as Jesus. And, and the reason why I'm telling you is this, is because one years ago when I had Bell's palsy and my, my face, you know, just all just slid off my, my skull and it was just, it was, it was pretty disturbing to look at. And, and my wife, she just said, Pete, you know, I, I made a vow to love you, to death do us part, but man, you're making it hard. Look at you. No, she didn't say that, but you know, she, she just would just comfort me and say, hey, it's going to be okay. I love you. And you know, you're always handsome to me. And, and you know, and she would, she would look past the, that, that feature, you know, well, one day she, I went into Hy-Vee to get something, and I came out. And when I came out, the sun was so bright, naturally, I just squinted because it was so bright. But the, with the side with Bell's palsy just remained the same. It didn't move because all the nerves were just dead at the, at the moment. And, and I, I made the ugliest face in the world, and she looked at me, and she says, Pete, you cannot go out in public again. You know, she noticed there was something different about me. She noticed that I was different. I ended up getting a patch, you know. How cool is it to be a pastor and take an offering as a pirate? Hey, give me your money, you know. But, you know, the thing is, is that it was, she noticed that it was something different. And I'm telling you this, that if Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, had seven horns and seven eyes, someone would have noticed uh, Jesus, you know, it's kind of like you don't want to stare, but you can't help it, you know, and you would see something different. So what is John saying here? John is describing the authority and the clarity of Jesus, the authority of Christ, that he had seven horns, unlike the Antichrist, because see, in the Antichrist is described in Daniel 7, 
It says this, Ten horns are the ten kings who will come from the kingdom, and after them king will arise, a different one from earlier ones. He will subdue three kings, and he will speak against the Most High and oppress the holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times, and a half a time. Three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to come, rise up, and they're going to give him all this power. They're going to say, oh, you're the one who brought peace to us. This is great. And then in the middle of that, he's going to break his contract with them. He's going to turn, and he's going to destroy them. But the Bible says there were ten kings, and each king had a horn. Each king had a horn, and the Antichrist overthrew three of them. Here's the point. Jesus has seven horns. Seven is a number of completeness, a number of perfect, a number that means it's all together. Jesus, or the Father, created the earth, created the universe, created all of the stars and the sun. How many days did it take? It took six, and on the seventh day he rested, which meant it was complete, it was whole, it's done, it's finished. Jesus has seven horns. His authority is complete, and he has seven eyes which are the Holy Spirit, which will go out, meaning this, that he has complete and perfect knowledge. Jesus has complete and perfect knowledge. I just want to bring this to a close this morning because I want you to understand something about Jesus. The title of my message is this. This is Jesus, the one who has complete authority and who has perfect knowledge. The one who has complete authority and perfect knowledge. He sees, he knows, and he has the power to do something about it. I want you to just stop for a moment. Stop thinking about God in the terms that our emotions tell us to think about him or our experience tells us to think about him. And I want you to open your Bible And I want you to discover what God says about him. That he is the one who is able to separate the Red Sea when the enemy is closing in on you. He is the one who will bring down the walls of Jericho and allow you to take a city that could not be taken. He is the one, when you lose property on the bottom of a lake, able to make it rise so that you can grab it. He is the one who is able to stop the sun and the moon moving so that the battle could be won. He is the one who said, I will never leave you, never forsake you. And even in the darkest moment when, 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 all, of the, when all of this world thought Jesus was dead, God says, wait a minute, the story's not over. And he rises from the dead. He's the one. When Peter was locked in prison, and the Holy and an angel comes and says, "Wake up, Peter! Let's go!" And his chains fall off, and and they walk right past the guards, and they walk right past the people that are going to kill him in the morning, and they see a gate, and that gate is locked, and the Bible says that it opened all by itself, meaning this that the gate had to respond to the obedience and the command of God. This is Jesus, the one who has complete authority, and who has perfect knowledge. What do you do with this information? Here's what you do with it. You pray knowing that he can change things in in your world. You pray knowing that he knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what you need. My mother makes this 
chile con queso. It's just delicious, you know, and it has tomatoes and onions and peppers and, and, and you know, it's a cheese base. And, and she told me how to make it. And she said to me, she says, you know, never let it boil. Don't let it boil. And I thought, you know, wait a minute, I know how to cook. If you're going to start off with a roux, the flour will never thicken until it boils. So, thanks, Mom. Well, guess what? It didn't turn out right. And so I decided to just do it the way she did it. I made it for my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law. They loved it so much, that's all they ate. It turned out perfect. But here's the point. It just works when I did it the way she said. And life just works when you do it the way God says. Life just works when you believe that he is still able because he knows what he's doing. Oh, God, it doesn't make sense to do this. It doesn't make sense. Why are you doing that? Why? God, why, why, why? Just do it my way, and it'll turn out great. So I challenge you, don't, don't let Jesus be limited to your experience or your knowledge, but let him be Jesus, the one who has seven horns and seven eyes, the one who has complete authority and perfect knowledge, and the one who will move heaven and earth for you.